Hello and welcome to Osborne Clark's Energy Innovation Podcast Series. My name is Hugo Libetta and I'm a partner in Osborne Clark's Energy Team. I'm delighted to be joined today by Steve Borton. Steve is RWE's UK Director for Hydrogen Development and has been in the role for 15 months now. He has spent over 35 years in the energy industry with various roles mostly focused on commercial development and project development activities. Particularly of relevance to the hydrogen challenge, Steve spent 15 years helping to build up a UK CHP business to serve industrial customers with heat and power. Steve, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you, Hugo. Delighted to be here. Great. So let's jump straight in. We all know how tremendously important hydrogen is to the UK's ambition to be both net zero by 2050 and to have an entirely decarbonised grid by 2035. And of course, those of us in the industry have been watching the development of the UK's hydrogen policy since the net zero announcement in 2019. The cornerstones of that were the energy white paper and the hydrogen strategy, and more recently, the energy security strategy, less perhaps in the recent budget. And it's become almost a cliche now, but the promise of hydrogen is in being able to decarbonise those, quotes, hard to abate sectors, slices of demand that cannot obviously be decarbonised through electrification. So we have the 10 gigawatt target in the UK. And of course, this is very much an international issue not least because the transportation and storage angle allows hydrogen trading between jurisdictions, offering neat parallels to the current LNG markets. So, Steve, how are RWE approaching the fantastic hydrogen opportunity? Yes, thank you, Hugo. Um, We have huge aspirations in RWE to be part of the hydrogen picture going forward globally, Um, and in particular, huge aspirations for green hydrogen production which um, is is my my role in the UK. We started looking at hydrogen going back um, two or three years, certainly in 2021, we set up our our hydrogen business for green hydrogen production within the RWE generation part of RWE. And that's led by Dr. Sopna Siri as our chief operating officer. And our focus in this part of the business is to produce green hydrogen at scale with a, a build, own, operate model. So where we build, own and operate large large assets and and supply hydrogen to the market. Um, initially, our focus is on our core markets in Germany, the UK and the Netherlands, but increasingly that's, that's becoming a, more of a global um, aspiration as well. So, Currently, we've, we have a core market team now of over 100 people within Sopna Series uh, organization, which is where, where, where I sit with the UK team. Um, but overall within RWE, we must have at least 300 people engaged in hydrogen activities and, and across, uh, across the value chain as well. Um, so not just in the hydrogen production side. Within the UK, the team is growing fast. We had about what we had um, just one person in 2021, but now we hope to have nearly 30 people by the end of this year. And we've recently appointed new heads of the business development function and the project development function within within the team here in the UK. Uh, and pretty much all of the people are working on new projects. So we're very excited in this hydrogen space. We're putting a lot of resource in to it, not just people though, we, we're looking to invest significant amounts of money and across across the decarbonisation sector as a whole, including our renewables, we're looking to 
invest up up to or around 15 billion pounds in the UK by 2030. So we're really keen to find those good opportunities um, to help start moving hydrogen forward in the UK. Fantastic. And picking up that theme of of investment then and your 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 investment ambitions. One thing I'm particularly keen to ask you about is the Pembroke Net Zero Centre. And that plays very nicely into the UK's preference for centralised energy hubs uh, or decarbonised zones, um, generally around existing industrial clusters. So could you tell us a little more about the Pembroke Net Zero Centre and the opportunities you see in bringing together a number of different technologies, I think both generation and demand side in, in one place? Yes, certainly. Um, the the PNZC, as 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 we call it, um, is certainly a, an all encompassing uh, aspiration that we have for our Pembroke site, where we currently have a very efficient gas fired combined cycle gas turbine plant. The the term PNZC, as you quite rightly point out, is is it's an umbrella term of bringing together many different technologies uh, at at the power station site. And we are looking at a number of things. So, for example, decarbonising the existing gas-fired fired station in, in, in the early 2030s is very important to us. Uh, and that can be done by pre-combustion removal of carbon by burning, burning of hydrogen or indeed post-combustion carbon capture. But as well as that, we have uh, a lot of land at the site and on-site grid connections, which make it a very good site for green development in general and as a as a renewable energy developer a big renewable energy developer we're very interested and keen on offshore wind in the Celtic Sea but we're also looking at synchronous condensers for grid support we're looking at solar PV and of course green hydrogen production which is where my team come in and for that we're looking at several phases of electrolytic hydrogen production. The first phase is around 100 megawatts to provide hydrogen for local industrial use and potentially transport use. Um, and we see those green hydrogen production opportunities increasing over time. And ultimately, once Celtic Sea floating offshore wind comes in, potentially the green hydrogen production could be at gigawatt scale, connecting to 100% hydrogen pipelines that others are planning for the South Wales industrial cluster area. That's very interesting because one issue we commonly see when we're talking to people uh, looking at hydrogen generally is is deciding where to get involved in the hydrogen value chain. Uh, so it, it sounds like you're you're very well hedged across that chain, which is which is great news, obviously. So if we can move on now, perhaps to the funding. Uh, side of things. The UK's hydrogen capacity targets um, and the associated timescales are ambitious, I think you'd agree. And the government has put a lot of effort into getting the hydrogen business model off the ground, or still getting it off the ground. Um, projects like the PNZC, as you said, are very complex from a funding perspective. Does the PNZC need a hydrogen CFD to make it deliverable? Yeah, a very good question. It's, it's an area we're spending a lot of our our time on, of course, because the funding is going to be essential. And yes, to answer your question specifically, pretty much all electrolytic hydrogen projects will need some kind of government support to make to make them work. And Pembroke is no different in that regard. 
and from a UK perspective, the government has committed to annual funding rounds, which is which is great. And we have our 10 gigawatt target, 5 gigawatt of blue hydrogen and 5 gigawatt of green hydrogen by 2030, which is also great. There is clarity on how the first two gigawatts of that 10 gigawatt target will be delivered. And the government are currently going through the first rounds of selection of those preferred projects. There's less clarity on how we move from the two gigawatt to the 10 gigawatt um, by 2030. So certainly greater clarity on that would be a big help for developers such as ourselves and particularly for us as an investor to ensure we can start planning accordingly. I mean, these 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 projects, the green hydrogen projects take at least three years to develop. So um, 2030 isn't far away when when you consider that we have 10, uh, five gigawatts of green to to develop before before that time. So the greater clarity on that, the better. But we definitely need funding support to, to get these projects underway um, in the early years. That's interesting. I'm now thinking about it from the demand side, or at least the demand side of things for a project like Pembroke. And the hydrogen conversation is very much focused on the rainbow, obviously, um, as you've you mentioned a bit on the, the green and the blue side. But really, it's dominated by incentivizing production, which I think in the UK is a, a deliberate policy decision. Um, but arguably, it limits a generator's available customer base, certainly for a project like Pembroke. How important is stimulating demand in the UK? For example, is Pembroke deliverable only because there is available co-located demand as opposed to networked demand? Yeah, that's um, re really good, really good point as well. Um, ultimately, to have a successful hydrogen economy in the UK, we, we need all three, don't we? We need production, we need networks and we need demand and they all need to come come together and I'm sure they will. Um, the question is how quickly can we do that and that is um, that so much in our minds as well on the production side which is where we are focused with our good renewable position we are pretty we are ready to do green hydrogen production plants so um, our biggest challenge is as you suggest finding the demand and in the absence of any hydrogen networks and pipelines, we need to co-locate that production and demand very closely. So your point about Pembroke, absolutely, we have a significant amount of hydrogen demand in the region. And that is one of the reasons why we are focused there initially as our lead project in the UK, um, such that we can produce green hydrogen for local demand. So that's that's absolutely key in, in the short in the short term. Obviously, as, as those networks develop, that will become easier for us to put the electrolyzer and green hydrogen production elsewhere and not necessarily adjacent to adjacent to users. Um, but in, in the short term, we, we're going to have to do that. Um, on the demand side in general, I would say that your point that the UK government is focused on production, I do agree with that and I think that's working really well and the ambitions and intentions are clear and the hydrogen business model is supporting that. There are mechanisms and support and incentives on the demand side. However, I think a lot of industrial customers still see 2050 as a long way away. 
and therefore the decisions and the timing of those decisions to make their conversions for the decarbonisation are very varied depending on the industry and, and, and the companies involved. So I think anything further that the government could do to incentivise the demand side to move early uh, would be very, very welcome um, to to give us more flexibility on where on, on the volume and, and the location of, of the hydrogen production facilities that we're ready to ready to build. But that's interesting. And I think you're you're alluding in part to the, the the storage or transportation angle in helping opening up that market. And I think looking beyond the UK, there's a follow-on issue here around moving to a properly integrated or at least an interconnected national and international hydrogen market. Will we see a hydrogen market developing in time, um, giving producers a, a deeper and more liquid customer base, certainly for a project like Pembroke or, or others in your pipeline? Or to what extent do you think that this is held back, um, not just by available demand, but by the pace of change in, in gas infrastructure or, or a policy decision on blending? Yeah, and it's a good, good point you make on, on blending as well, because um, that um, crosses both production and transport as well. Certainly just a comment on blending. We do see that as really helpful for us as a producer in terms of giving us access to an alternative customer demand in to, to help sort of certainty on investment decisions for, for our assets. So um, because, of, because of the lack of infrastructure dedicated to hydrogen at the moment and the time it takes to build that which we'll come on to um the, the the ability to blend into existing gas systems would be really beneficial i think to us in support of our investment decisions and um and considering the risk of of having stranded assets uh if we don't have that that very customer base for us to supply our hydrogen to on 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 the transport and network point that you make just in general yeah it's it's the third element and so important and i think you know once we have that in place that the it will be so much easier for the production and the demand to come in to ensure we then get we then we then get that hydrogen market that we we think will will happen um it will be the enabler to make it happen quickly for us in the uk i mean that that's absolutely clear in my mind because as soon as we can have that gas hydrogen gas transportation system in place then it opens up so much more possibilities to connect production and demand together um, and not least of course you know when you look into locate a hydrogen production facility there's a number of key elements that come in and grid grid connections are very important for electrolytic hydrogen production so we need a good source of green electricity to 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 feed the electrolyzers and therefore we also need sites that have ability to import that electricity into the electrolyzers so that currently in the UK can be quite difficult the grid system is changing rapidly and 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 needs a lot of investment for the new energy world that we're all faced with and I think having having a a hydrogen gas network gives us more flexibility on choosing the right sites which also have that grid um, grid capability for us so 
that network is going to be key for us to move forward uh, in the UK hydrogen space. That's interesting. I'm, I'm just wondering what's what's holding us back. I mean, do you, there's a technological angle, isn't there? There's a, a transitioning existing uh, network from natural gas to to hydrogen. There's a regulatory angle associated with that. Do you think it's just a case of working through these issues, perhaps developing a, a particular business model for transportation? Do, do these things take time or I'm just yeah. wondering if there's something yeah. else that we, we can be doing to speed this up? No, no, certainly. Um, and all of the, the main gas companies, the five main gas distribution companies and transmission companies in the UK are very active in this space, looking at their uh, solutions for a new hydrogen network going forward. But of course, uh, it takes time and it is complex. So the government are already looking at, of course, transport and storage uh, solutions and funding models. Um, so that's one element. Um, so the sooner that can be clarified, clearly the better for those gas companies so they can get on and uh, and, and start um, planning and implementing the, the, the future gas pipeline network for hydrogen. But of course, the consenting, the planning, the feasibility studies, they all take time too. So whilst the gas companies are all on with those and very being very proactive in, in moving those forward, it does take time. So the sooner we start and the more clarity we have, um, then the quicker those gas companies will be able to put the infrastructure in place to um, to, to get uh, to, to get that hydrogen network operational. Um, I think there is I think there is focus. I guess there is a concern that others may other other worldwide uh, aspirations may overtake the UK's aspirations if we're not careful. So we do need to really get a move on and uh, um, get get these things in place. Agreed. And perhaps it's easy to overlook that there are interconnected issues, aren't there? I mean, we've talked we started off talking about policy, but you know the the B word is blending, isn't it? You talked about it earlier. Until there's a policy decision on blending. Um, until we understand whether hydrogen is going to be used for heat in homes, until we understand the technical implications, capability of, of de-blending, these things all go together, don't they? So um, it, it it's hard to see how policy versus the technological capability assessments can go hand in hand. But I I, I understand what you're saying, and it, it it aligns with a lot of the other conversations we have. So so maybe if we look then a, a bit further down the road. Um, We've talked about the hydrogen business model briefly, um, but we know a lot about the first two hydrogen CFD allocation rounds um, and how they'll be funded um, and how they'll be funded this time round will be different to how they'll be funded in future rounds. How important is it for you to understand what comes next? So by that, I mean beyond the first two rounds and specifically how they'll be funded. Yeah. Um, and do you think we should have a capacity pipeline almost out in the future. So if there's a target for 2030, should we have a capacity pipeline that actually explains how we'll get there and move beyond it? I think the more clarity that government can give in this regard, the the better. So the the initial focus of two gigawatts of hydrogen by the mid 2020s is, is underway and the government um, have for green hydrogen have their first two um, rounds identified for, for last year and for this year, that gets us to two gigawatts. So the nature of the mechanisms that get us to the 10 gigawatts 
the earlier the better that they are clear to us and and to other other developers and investors obviously the the better um so we've got a number of projects which we've we've focused on now on developing some of them will go into those early rounds but what we're not clear on is how the subsequent rounds after 2023 when the second round uh, happens hopefully later this year what we're not clear on is how those subsequent rounds will be configured or or work to uh, get us to the 10 gigawatts so advice and um, guidance from UK government on that through through the publications that they are very very um, very much working on as I understand it and and due to uh, share with with the market um, in the first half of this year that's going to be key key for us it enables us therefore then to to plan our resource levels to work out how many projects we should be developing um, to work out of course not least uh, work out our financial position and and uh, our likely investment cases over the next five years so that announcement on the way things are going to work um, between 2025 and 2030 is 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 really important as well there's so much uncertainty isn't there in uh, hydrogen at the moment um, but we're all trying to move in the right direction and i think as a as a country generally we are moving in the right direction um, but um, and, and eventually all, all of that uncertainty will become clear and uh, uh, but it's just it's just taking time we're right at the start of this um, but the earlier we get that clarity the better definitely agreed and obviously it's not unique to hydrogen is it it's a complaint that other industries have industries that were given these great and ambitious policy targets you know i'm thinking new build nuclear offshore wind the targets are great but more important is the delivery plan the investment signals the opportunity to invest in a domestic supply chain and move that supply chain from project to project they're all things that are common to all these net zero essential technologies um so i i un, un, understand what you're you're saying and where you're coming from so i was just going to say on, on the supply point uh supply chain point that you make yeah, yeah um that's um that's really important as well um we are seeing of course a huge increase unprecedented increase in in this particular technology um hydrogen globally and the supply chain particularly related to in in in, in my area the, the green electrolyzer uh, production facilities the the OEM and their capacity for moving usually in terms of their existing manufacturing capability to what we need worldwide um, is is going to be so important on this so um, those signals and the early the earlier we can place funding contracts I think that will then give the supply chain and particularly the electrolyzer OEMs the confidence that they can invest in increasing their capacities in their facilities to to um to follow what undoubtedly will be a, a huge huge ramp up of demand over the next few years globally and not not just in in the uk of course yeah it's a really important point isn't it we talk about stranded asset risk in relation to physical assets and technologies um 
I think it applies equally as a concept to supply chains and, you know, developing supply chains from apprentice upwards and moving them with a market as it matures. And, and that's one thing we absolutely have to get right with hydrogen. Yeah, so, and, and, and there are good there are good signs that, that things are happening there. But I think when that's, it's really going to ramp up when we start seeing funding decisions come through, which enable projects to start being uh, ordered and committed to and therefore built. And once the OEMs see those commitments, I think that's going to give them the confidence that um, it is definitely going to happen, which we're pretty sure it will do. But uh, that, that will be the important signal when projects start being built. Absolutely, yeah. So we've covered a lot, haven't we? And I think we could we could go into all of that in much more detail. Um, and I'll be keen to continue this conversation with you. One thing I'm interested in, though, and you referred to this earlier with your allusion to how quickly international markets have developed um, and ambitions from other governments have ramped up. Uh, and we've seen something similar with the, the US Inflation Reduction Act recently. With all that in mind, if, if you could have one, one ask, what would be your one policy ask of the UK government in the hydrogen context? It is exact is exactly on that sub subject, Hugo. The fact that um, we need we need to be aware of what the rest of the world is doing. We we want to move this hydrogen opportunity forward very quickly in the UK to enable decarbonisation, and we do need to react quickly to secure UK's. Uh, objective of being one of the world leads on global hydrogen economy so early policy decisions on the multiple subjects that we've, we've discussed in this in this podcast um, the earlier those decisions the better so let's act swiftly and decisively to enable the UK to be a lead in the hydrogen world going forward yeah that's really important, is it? Isn't it? I mean, the UK was first off the blocks with Theresa, Theresa May's net zero legislative commitment back in 2019. You know, so four years ago now, um, and we had the analysis from the Committee on Climate Change, National Grids, and others at the time to, to to back up that plan. Not quite a delivery plan, but an identification of the key technologies required, indicative capacity mixes that be required. And perhaps, as importantly, the demand increases we could expect through electrification out to 2050. So from what you said, I think we're all hoping that momentum ramps up and continues to ramp up rather than wanes in the face of, of the international and domestic challenges to an extent. Yeah, I mean, at, at RWE, we are ready to make those investments in green hydrogen production. Um, we just need the appropriate mechanisms in place to enable us to do that and uh, we're, we're ready to go on the production side so uh, let's uh, let, let's 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 get on with it and uh, get some assets on the ground uh, which will be a wonderful uh, position to be in in the 2020s once they start appearing perfect agree completely with that so steve it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today as ever um, you've had some fascinating insights in this space. So thank you very much for joining us. Hugo, it's been great talking to you. Thank you.